Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda or water in the fridge. Cheers, my friends. Hope you're all doing well today. I'm doing my best to not touch the table because I have affixed the cameras to a tripod that attaches to the table. And I kind of disregarded the fact that it's going to make the camera shake like crazy every time I put my arm down. So it might be a bumpy ride this episode. But for those of you tuning in, I'm sitting down today with my friend Blaine Smith. Blaine is a comedian. He is a live streamer. He is a heavy metal music reviewer on YouTube. A man of many hats. This is a really cool chat. I think you're going to dig it. So let's hop over to my conversation with Blaine Smith right here, right now. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. How's it going, my friend? Uh, it's going pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. It's a Thursday. And yeah. you, know, you know what that means. It means absolutely nothing. Because no- nothing means anything anymore. Yeah. Thursdays is the day that I uh, play Zoom poker with human beings I used to see every day almost. <laughs> oh, well, hey, thanks for taking yeah. time out of your gambling. <laughs> <laughs> it happens after. It all It all synced up perfectly. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I am rolling here, so there's really Sweet. not much that you need to know. We're just going to talk about, I guess, like things related to heavy metal, things not related to heavy metal. I'm going to try not to be a typical fuck in a King Diamond t-shirt as best <laughs> as I possibly can be right now. I was like, I like got on the camera. I'm like, motherfucker, why am I wearing this now? But like, I'm also not going to change it because like that, that would be even worse. So get all you know, start changing your clothes. Get a, get get someone in doing the makeup. You know, some yeah. lighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have way too many lights in the room right now. So uh, the the Zoom podcast stuff is a little bit newer for me as it is with everybody. I've been doing yeah. the podcast shit for a while, but this is newer. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna set up some lights and a couple screens and a couple cameras so I could see everything. And now that I'm like looking at it, I'm like, man, this sucks. Like it's really <laughs> distracting. I don't know like who or what to look at, but hey, you're probably no stranger to looking at cameras and screens and talking to people on the internet. So, my friend Blaine Smith, make some yeah. noise for the internet. Woo! Hello, internet. Yay! We're here. We're doing it. <laughs> so. For those of you on the internet that do not know Blaine, you are a comedian, you are a music video reviewer, a yeah. live streamer, and a human yeah. being on planet Earth currently residing in the land of Canada. That's correct. That's all correct. Nice. You've done your research. Is there is there anything that I missed? Uh, that, that seems like enough thing. That's, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not trying to be Dr. Dr. Mr. So it Blaine Esquire the third. Sure. Know? Sure. Do you find, cause I mean, you're somebody that wears a lot of hats and we could start here. Yeah. Do you find like whenever you're meeting new people and people are asking like, so what are you into? Do you have to like find, like, do you have a hard time answering that question simply or do you like answer it just appropriately for the situation? 
I I answer it appropriately for the situation and that frequently I lie because, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the worst thing you can do is when you're in like a, like a, like an Uber, the worst thing you can do is say that oh. like you work in, you work in TV and film or you're a comedian yeah. or anything. Cause either you need to give this person a joke or this person starts telling you about uh, uh, their movie idea. I got pitched to be in a movie by a guy one time in an Uber and I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) Oh dude, it's rough. Like the, I think, yeah, the, the Lyft driver thing is probably the worst because it's, you know, Oh, you do music. Like I got a buddy that's a rapper and he wants to record some stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, yeah, I don't want to work with your friend. Like, I, I just kind of want to get, you know, <laughs> so, you're in the middle of taking me from like, you know, some bar on one side of town to like a house in the middle of nowhere. Do you think I'm in any position to help you or your rapper friend? Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. It was that was it. And then uh, now I'm 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 engaged. You know, I've been in a happy relationship for a while. But when I was single, man, uh, the 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 amount of girls that thought like, Oh, you're a stand-up comedian. I usually date sit-down comedians. Tee was like a good opening Tinder line, and you're like block immediately. Jesus Wait, Christ, <laughs> that's the worst. So, yeah. out of you know everything you've been doing, let's try to get you know the quick Cliff's notes on Blaine yes. Smith. Yes. So, what came first, metal or comedy? Uh, uh, that's I mean that's complicated, right? Uh, in terms of <laughs> In terms of working in it, comedy, but in terms of like consuming it, it would be probably metal. Yeah. Did you grow up in Canada? You from like always up there? Always, always in Canada. I lived in France for a year in my 20s. Um, but other than that, Toronto, the same city for the whole life. Nice. Now, when it comes to Toronto and like a local metal scene, was that something that you were in or was it more like finding out about bands through magazines and the Internet? Toronto, uh, I mean, you know, I feel like we have a similar problem to a lot of cities right now where all our venues are turning into like condos. Um, (laughs) Sure. But for a while, Toronto had uh, like a really, really great music scene and especially was good for all ages music, which is what really got me into it. At the time when I was younger, in my teens, I, li- I listened to a lot more punk because it was just that was more what was going on in the city. And it was the kind of thing where there was this great uh, at the corner of Bathurst Den Queen, which just felt like this really cool area of town. There was this giant building that's now a, a furniture store for condos. Not quite a condo, it's a condo furniture store. <laughs> it supplies um, condos. And all it was all levels of it were it was all part owned by the same person but it was a different venue on each level and there was the cathedral the reverb and on the top was uh holy joe's um it was the big bop building and the cathedral and the reverb almost always were all ages shows and you know i think for a lot of people especially if you're in like a smaller town hearing that there was a venue there was two venues on top of each other that had all ages shows yeah a hundred percent of the time is like pretty crazy for people so that was definitely i think what really got me to love music so much was just going and seeing bands that you know either would wind up big bands or you know 
were just local bands, but seeing them with like 40 people is so much nicer than seeing them with 500 people, you know, which is so much nicer than seeing them with 3000 people. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the comedy scene in Toronto, like how did you get introduced to that? Cause I find that that's probably a lot more of a niche thing. So it's always interesting hearing people's stories about this. Yeah. Comedy is really weird because it's like, it's simultaneously like a niche thing and a massive thing where it's like almost everybody can name comedians and you know netflix is the biggest contracts they've signed is generally with comedians but when you say like hey who do you know locally that's a comedian people are like duh sure uh it turned out it was like this is how almost everybody gets into comedy uh that whether they stick with it or drop uh i met a guy who started doing comedy and I sent him a message being like, Hey man, I've always wanted to try stand up. Can you, you know, tell me how to do this? And he just like kind of brushed me off, like told me about a venue that did like a, like a first timers night and was just like, yeah, whatever, go here, man. Um, And I did that. And then I wound up sticking with it and, and then shortly after quickly realized that the instant you start doing comedy, like eight guys that you like went to one year of university with just come out of the fucking woodwork, <laughs> just being like, Hey, wait, you can just do comedy. How, how no one told me that. How do I, how do I go do comedy? And then maybe they come out once or twice or, and then never do it again. Or maybe they, you know, go on to make it a career. Uh huh. Now with, you know, you and deciding to take that route of comedy, were you like a very social outgoing sort of on stage type of person? Were you playing in bands? Do you have any sort of a music background like playing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, you know, in high school, I was really into punk music. So I was doing that. And that's, you know, that's a nice way to easily get into music. It's a lot less of a steep hill to start sure, <laughs> to jam sure. with some friends in a punk band than playing in a metal band. And then I, I was in that little peak period where noise music got kind of big for a while, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> around the time like Lightning Bolt was really making like noise, weird kind of stuff popular. So I did some noise music, you know, I, uh, I, I, you know, played in a warehouse and accidentally set someone on fire. You know, the normal new, new noise musician stories. Oh, yeah. Um, and then coincidentally, also just in school, it was like a weird thing where in school, I was always the person that wanted to do like presentations. I just liked doing presentations. And I had this weird thing. I'd always a trick I'd always use on on teachers, which is uh, I always wanted to do presentations presentations but i always wanted to do them alone and so i would go to the professor or teacher and you can try this if you're younger and still in school listening to this and i would go because they always need someone to go first because it would happen over like a month right because you only have so many presentations and so i always go hey i'll go first if you let me do it alone (laughs) because they could never get anyone to go first and they'd be like I guess. Sure. That's less work for me. Fine. You did. You helped me out a little bit there and it always worked and it always made presentations actually fun as opposed to like, Oh God, Jimmy's not showing up with the handout. What a dickhead. Uh huh. Now with, you know, getting into doing the comedy and being on stage, you're in, do you find your, did you find yourself in like significantly different crowds than you were used to being in, like being in metal shows and being around kids and lighting themselves on fire during noise sets and shit like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what it, was the it, crowd adjustment like? It's def, it definitely was like kind of the first time in my life that I started hanging out with people that were like, because like when you're hanging out in music scenes, like 
comedy was is still like the kind of same bonding thing but really if you're hanging out in a music scene you tend to meet a lot of people that have very similar stories to yourself very similar you know backgrounds come from the same place like a lot of the same other things but with comedy like it it's there's not really like genres in comedy so i'm doing comedy with you know literally everybody else that's doing comedy there's no real dividers so it was wildly different it was the first time in my life i ever hung out with people where it was like we had one mutual interest and it was comedy and then everything else was different yeah and i think that it's not entirely you know impossible i think for some people in comedy to find that same bond that maybe we find with metalheads because there is kind of like you know there's definitely genres of comedy, even if there isn't like it's not billed as shows like that. Yeah. There's definitely styles of comedians and like a lot of the comedians that I know locally, like it's like they're all the same person in this yes. like, weird yes. way. There's always the outliers, <laughs> but a lot of them are the same people. So I imagine, you know, you standing out. Did you find it was easier for you to find a voice as a comedian being on stage since you had like maybe a different background from a lot of other people in the scene? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is kind of that immediate thing where you're suddenly, at the very least, you're more recognizable because you get on stage and there's a joke where it's like, you know, if you're if you're lining up comedians, it's like eight guys in flannel shirts with beards that are like a little portly. Uh, yeah. And then some guy gets on stage and like, at first I was just going like full metal on stage. I was wearing a battle vest. I was cut off sleeves, you know, just really being like, I'm a metalhead and you're going to know a metalhead immediately. So it, 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 at first it definitely gave me like a, a good, a good jump off the starting line. But then eventually I had to realize a little bit of balance with it because being on stage is kind of like a magnifying glass for whatever it is about you. Like if you're, if you're a little overweight, you're a fat guy on stage. You know, if you're, if you have sex with uh, people, sometimes you're a slut on stage. And so like, I, you don't need to be like full metal head, like going on stage like this, they know I'm a metal head. I don't need to be doing the whole thing to kind of get that, get that surprise factor. Yeah. I imagine it, it can be really, really hard when you step onto stage being like a little over the top, because now all of a sudden people have this, these expectations of you. Like, is this a gimmick? Is this fucking guy for real? Like, Oh, what's going to be so funny about this guy? But that's probably no different whether or not you have the battle fest or the flannel or whatever. I think it's comedy is a really, really intimidating seeming thing, but life's intimidating in general. I try not to overthink it too much. I've never thought about doing comedy though, personally. (laughs) Right. It's, I mean, it's a weird thing where a lot of people are like, wow, that's so scary. And then you're like, uh, you know, what do you do for a living? And they're like, they say something, and you're like, oh, that seems like a fucking terrifying. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. Like, they're like, oh, I teach children. And you're like, oh my God, like you could just fucking ruin, you could ruin <laughs> like 30 people for the rest of their lives. Uh huh. <laughs> like that's crazy. Like we all remember a teacher where we're like, that teacher's whole thing was sh- they were mean to five year olds. <laughs> like that was their <laughs> shtick in school. It was like, oh, that's the mean teacher. You're like, you could just be fucking scarring children for the rest of their life. Yeah. Now, as you know, time has gone on, and we are now in the digital age. There's all of these interesting ways that we get to talk and communicate and get our message out to people. This right now is an example. I am in the United States. You are in Canada. We are talking in real time over the internet about life 
pretty cool. And you are somebody that has taken advantage of these platforms and you do, you know, video reviews of heavy metals things online. You do live streaming and all that. What has that been like? So I imagine, you know, 10. Okay. Actually, before I ask this question, when did you start doing stand up? I started doing stand up uh, probably eight years ago, I think. Okay. So that was like right around the time that, you know, that's 2012, Instagram's new, social media is becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger thing. You know, over the course of, we'll just say the past decade, you know, how has the internet changed and shaped your career? Well, the the thing that was kind of, you know, because at first I was like trying to do comedy and I was just going out and doing it uh, live and then not really kind of thinking about the other stuff. And then I started wanting to kind of explore and I made a web series with some friends, uh, just like, you know, just super low budgety, just did everything ourselves. And it was really fun. And it started being like, oh, you can like it was it was really interesting because uh, a lot of comedy is focused on your local scene. Like comedy is very clicky, very, very like pecking ordery type of thing. And it's like, oh, I get on these shows in town and then outside of the town, nobody knows or gives a shit who you are. Sure. And then all these tools, I started using them and suddenly it's like, well, it doesn't even really matter what my place in this local comedy scene is because now I have like an actual fan base, which is, you know, the thing that people are, that we're all, we're all going for. And it's like the, the speed at which you can get a fan base by putting like four YouTube videos out there versus doing like 40 shows in and around where you live is like, it's not even, you know, you might get one fan out of doing all that, all the, all the shows, but a couple of videos and suddenly you're like, Oh, okay, well here's a career path for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really wild how you're starting to see this, like change the way that a lot of bands are starting to finally like focus on how to promote their stuff, especially like local and DIY bands. You know, I've been yelling at bands on this podcast for years to be like, be more self-sufficient. You have this crazy tool. You have this thing. You could do shit on it other than Tinder. You know, <laughs> like yeah. fucking be yeah, productive totally. with your band. Don't fucking complain on Facebook about shitty shows. Invite people to things. Film videos. Yeah. It's like yeah, the, the 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 fucking cameras and everything that we have on this shit. Like you could do great things super yeah. easily. So like yeah, how motivated I, I mean, are you really? My buddy, uh, uh, Daniel DK, uh, you know, um, guitar player and exciter works with me at banger. Um, he had always been good at social media with his previous bands using Twitter and, 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 and crowdfunding and that kind of stuff. Um, but he didn't play any video games ever. So he had no idea what Twitch was. Twitch was like this totally foreign. Cause until like really the pandemic has kind of been, there's always been other stuff happening on Twitch, but the pandemic has really taken Twitch out of the kind of, hands of gamers and kind of really kind of just shown it to everybody. Yeah. I was always like, you need to get on Twitch. Just get on Twitch and play guitar. When you're practicing guitar, just do it on Twitch. And he was like, ah, you know, whatever. And then the pandemic, he can't play live anymore. And that was his main source of income. And he was like, shit, what do I do? And I was like, dude, just Twitch stream. Everybody's on online right now. He started Twitch streaming. And within like a couple months, he's it's his, it's now his main form of income. He's doing great. It took him like two or three months of of trying it to suddenly be like, oh, wow, this is now my most stable source of income in my life. That's like replacing what I used to get playing live. And I'm just sitting here practicing guitar, playing songs I like while people like chat with me. You know, there's a lot worse things you can do for money, certainly. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that 
it's awesome to see people taking advantage of these things and, you know, really thinking more of that, like, self-sufficient entrepreneurial brain just using these yeah. tools that we literally just fucking have laying around. There's, like, no excuse not to be doing this shit unless you just really don't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people talk about like the dangers of social media. And I think there's a lot of that. And I think you have to be really careful. But at the same time, it's like there's also a way to like really use this stuff to be have a pretty nice life. that's sure. like, you know, fulfilled and happy and you know, just uh, you know, it, it's like anything. It's like drinking, right? You know, there's a <laughs> there's an amount of drinking that makes life awesome and there's an amount of drinking that makes life awful (laughs) and you know it's just about staying on that path i always tell people online like when it comes to social media you really choose your own hell you pick who you're friends with you pick what you interact with you pick who you follow just be be aware just be aware yeah you know don't complain about fucking you know seeing nothing but political articles if all you do is share and comment on people's political <laughs> articles China, right? the internet doesn't know you know, like, oh, know. Like, billy likes this stuff let's keep sending it to him it's, I, i'm 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 listening to a podcast uh, a new york times podcast called rabbit hole and it's all about like youtube algorithm like radicalizing young guys blah 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 and then I open up my YouTube and it's just like metal albums and Tekken combos. It's, it's just nothing. I'm like, how the hell are people finding political shit on this website? Sure. I don't see any of that. I'm watching a guy paint some miniatures. <laughs> definitely. You definitely choose your own hell as far as the internet goes. Now, Speaking of choosing your own hell, that sounds like a heavy metal album. And thinking about heavy metal and thinking about comedy, you know, there's a thing where I'm a goofball. I've always been a goofball, but I've always liked heavy metal. I grew up with heavy metal. My parents were metalheads. And I don't find that it's like that weird for those worlds to come together. And I know when to take things seriously and when not to. But as I'm sure you're very aware and I'm sure you've dealt with, there are a lot of people that do not find any humor in anything, particularly metal. So how have you dealt with that over the course of just like, you know, you being you in the metal community? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where uh, a thing that I found really helpful was I I was reading a lot about like human loss aversion. I know to take this to a weird spot, (laughs) which was really useful where it's... you know, there's a there's a lot of discussion right now about how how we're humans are very loss averse. We don't like to lose. We don't want to lose things. So when we're looking at videos or our posts and stuff, and we can have a you know, you can get 50 nice comments and you can get 10 mean comments, and all you think about are those 10 mean comments. Like I can sum it up in my head, mean comments easy that have happened years ago, easier than some nice things people have said recently, right? Yeah. And you just have to kind of realize like like pay attention to how many negative comments you're actually getting. Like, yes, people are saying mean things, but really there's a lot of people said that, that in (laughs) saying so nice things to me and sending me messages, Hey man, uh, your videos are very funny or Hey man, I found my new favorite band because of you. And it's like, there's some guys that are mad because I'm left wing. And I I mean, I, I, 
I'm never going to convert those people. So why would I dwell on those when I've got nice people saying nice things that I could spend my energy on? You know, that's really a thing I think is if someone wants to have like an actual constructive debate with you about something they think you're doing that they don't like or whatever, have a conversation with that person. But if someone's like, you're a, you're a, you know, uh, we won't, we won't veer down it, but just realize that person, I mean, something's going on in their life that has caused them to not be stoked about, something and you have nothing to do with it you're just you just happen to walk in a frame so slide past that there's you know there's two metalheads metalheads that you know got attracted to metal because it's ridiculous and silly and over the top and there's an element to funniness that they realize that most of these people are doing and then there's the other half that are you know there's there's Basically, there's two metalheads, right? There's there, there's Varg and there's Fenris. Right? <laughs> there's there's people that are funny, they're interesting, and then there's assholes. Sure, you know uh, something that I've you know really had to reckon with. You know, I, I just recently turned 35. I'm not the oldest person in the world, but I'm not getting any younger, right? Yeah, and I'm still playing in heavy metal bands. I'm still listening to heavy metal, and there's like this level of immaturity and adolescence to it. That I think as you get older, it's kind of hard to reckon with it if you really think about it. Yeah. And just trying to be like okay with it. And I find like if there's no humor in this, like how could I really take myself that seriously, especially getting older? Yeah. And there are people that are way older than me yeah, that know, I've right. dealt with that are way serious. And it's like, yo, like we are talking about like, you know, people in Halloween makeup yelling about the <laughs> devil, dude. Right. Like this yeah. is not like, <laughs> like it's cool. It's art. It's fun. But like, bro don't like base your whole like personality or fucking social view of life around heavy metal like there's yeah. more to life than that well especially because it's like you don't realize that uh i you know i've i've gotten to to spend a lot of time with a lot of musicians that a lot of people look up to and the general like the, one of the through lines about almost all those musicians is a they don't want to talk about metal that much <laughs> they're sure. doing it every day they play it they, it's not it's not consuming their entire life 100%. They want to talk about a hobby they have that they, oh, I've got this new hobby that I'm excited about, you know? Yeah. And the other thing is nine times out of 10, they're also always silly motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, you know, the record is not an indication necessarily of their personality. You know, probably the band that I've become the best friends with since doing this is Bell Witch. And they make, you know, sad hour long albums that are one track. And then in person, I they are just always put I was I was messaging Dylan the other day and uh I, I was just back a little back and forth exchange and then he was like, Oh, I thought about you and uh, and your fiance the other day. A book I was reading reminded me of you. And I was like, Oh that's cool. What the what's the book? And he's like, Oh, it's a book about gravity. I couldn't put it down. And I was like, oh that sounds cool. What was the <laughs> Oh, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And this is, you know, this is the guy with like a, you know, like a fucking 40 string bass making 90 minute long single sad songs. Uh-huh. And you're, this is, this is how he talks to people. So, <laughs> so consider that like, you know, don't get too, don't get too into thinking you've got to be a specific way. You mm-hmm. know, everybody is a normal human being that yeah. likes to have fun. I think that the best case scenario for an artist is that, you know, everybody has shit that they go through. And maybe yeah. the best case scenario is that you get that out through your art and through your music. And, you know, then in your personal life, you can like just be chill because you have yeah. that release for all of those yeah. things, you yeah. know, and uh, you- 
recently I had Alan from Black Dahlia Murder on the show, and he is making uh, fish tanks out of old tube televisions as a hobby right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's like what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah. but like it's super cool because it's like you know you know he doesn't want to talk to me about drums for a fucking hour so it's yeah, like, right? but like and i totally get it because like there's times when i'm out and about and i run into somebody that i haven't seen in a while and like okay i got a night out i'm away from the studio i'm away from this or that and then the next thing i know how's the album going how's things you know just like and now i'm talking about it again you don't want to be rude to people that are genuinely interested in what you're doing yeah but at the same time it's like hard i think when you're like you know, in a band or you have a podcast or you're doing these things and like, you know, people listen to you more than you realize, which is kind of weird, you know, like you run into them in person and they want to talk to you about those things. They want to talk to you about the podcast that they listen to or the album review that they saw or like, you know, and it's like shit, like I can't get a break from this, but also I don't want a break from it because I love having this life. It's a weird thing. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I picked up that, uh, I always thought was good was that a nice way to break that is to ask about them. Like the person that's excited about you. Cause that then they're really happy about that. I remember it was weird. Like lamb of God, you know, big band. Uh, it was, I'm like more black metal, death metal. I didn't, the American like groove scene was never something that I just, I just don't know that much about. So, you know, I'm obviously aware of lamb of God. I know what their music (laughs) sounds like. Um, but uh, we were Slayer. It was the Slayer final, <laughs> the final Slayer <laughs> tour. Yeah. And uh, we were all go. The banger crew was all going as like, a, you know, a work outing. It was really nice. And Sam's friends with Lamb of God. He's been, you know, he's been promoting them and 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 cheerleading for them for for since they were a, a fairly small band. And so he's like, oh, I got to go see Lamb of God. We should all go see Lamb of God, you know. And so we go up to their 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 dressing room and they're, you know, they're about to go on in a in a in in like maybe like 30 minutes and so they're kind of practicing and getting ready. And they're like, "Oh, cool. Tell oh, that, thanks for coming up, guys. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Good." So, uh, what's your name? What do you do? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm a comedian. And he's like, oh, sweet. I really like comedy. We talked a little bit about comedy. And it's like, you know, they they did not want uh, to be asked questions about themselves, <laughs> right? They don't sure. want to fucking talk about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> They're about to go on stage. They're going to have to do that for a good portion of the night. They're just, oh, what do you do? Oh, comedy. Cool. I like comedy. And I was like, man, you know, someone in Lamb of God doing that to me, I can certainly do that to someone that comes up to me at a show and it like compliments you know, just even just asking people's names and shit, just shaking their hand and being like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, which, which is your favorite band on the show tonight? Oh, sweet. Yeah. I love that album too. Blah, blah. Now, in terms of you listening to music and doing album reviews, this is a, a thing that you do on YouTube on Banger TV. I'm curious, yeah. you know, as a music listener, when you get into d- doing album reviews and all these things, like over the years, has this like, change the way that you digest or think about music like did you analyze music differently before album reviews uh yeah yeah i mean it certainly has i i, I think the thing is it, it it really just makes you want i found before a lot of what i was doing was i was trying to find bands that sound exactly like a band you know what i mean you'd like find this one band you like and you're like this band's sick how do i find 10 more bands that sound just like this and then after like the amount of music I've listened to uh, uh, is quite high at this point. Now it's really like, where's a where's a band that sounds like not the last forty albums sure. I've had to listen to? It really has made me crave, and I think it's like a thing that 
people sometimes don't understand why reviewers are like constantly praising things that are different. They're like, well, I love the old school death metal sound and you guys like everybody's really excited about two mold right now. And there's people that are like, why are you excited about two mold? It's just, I don't like it. It's, it's not, it's pretending to be old school death metal or something. And you're like, well, it's cause we've listened to a lot of death metal over the years. And this is like, Oh, this is familiar, but different. Yay. Thank sure. God. It's like, you know, like the first time you're in New York City and you're like, I'm going to get some pizza. I have to try all the pizza that I possibly <laughs> yeah, can. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. after a while, like maybe if you're in, if you're in like Manhattan for a week on some bullshit, you're all of a sudden you're just like, man, I don't want to eat another fucking slice of pizza. Again. I, know, right? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've spent a lot of time in New York <laughs> in my life. And the instant I touched there in New York, I'm like, get me away from Manhattan into a borough. Dear yeah. Fucking God. <laughs> sure. Sure. Absolutely. Every time I, uh, well, I don't know when the fuck I'm going to be able to go back, but, uh, I have a, a family member that lives in hell's kitchen. I always stay with him. So it's like, shit, like, cool like it's a free place to stay so that's tight but you're like in the middle of like the worst there's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. a couple decent restaurants but other than that it's like get me the fuck out of here so <laughs> you know over the course of time have you always been somebody that was like listening to metal and like metal like being your main thing or you know over the years or maybe even because i mean you mentioned that you were like were listening to punk and shit like that as a kid yeah. i guess the question i want to ask and i apologize for rambling and i'm formulating this in my brain as i go it's on a, I'm it's a podcast it out. it's professional rambling fuck yeah i appreciate your support so uh now is there any styles of music that you are into that maybe you know would surprise people or things that you just typically listen to when you don't have to do album reviews or you're not in the mood for metal like what is the escape the musical escape for blaine smith I listen to I I you know it's 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 a it's cliche it's cliche it's both cliche to, cliche to say I only listen to metal and it, and to say I listen to everything but I do really like pretty much listen to everything I mean uh, like I said you know I grew up listening to 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 a fair amount of punk music as well so I'll still put punk on it's generally like I'm not consuming as much new punk a lot of it is like tied to nostalgia but. You know, I'll still put on those records. I mean, I I like a lot of hip hop. Speaking of New York, I most I I really like two thousands era New York hip hop. Okay, uh, just you know, uh, 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 the the Cameron is 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 one of my <laughs> favorites of all time. Just because like there's uh, it, it combines things that I really like, which is sampling. I think is a thing that uh, that. Uh, should make a lot of sense to metalheads, which is a lot of sampling is like a guy with like a really obsessive music knowledge, finding a really cool old relic and then like doing something new with it, which feels very much like what we do as well. And then if it's the right rapper, Jesus Christ, some of the lines are just really great, funny roasts. Like most Cameron songs are just funny roasts. (laughs) If you just took the beat away, he could be doing stand up. (laughs) Yeah. As I say, so you have that, that comedy element that balances into it. And I think that as uh, somebody growing up uh, through, like I was in, you know, uh, high school when all of that stuff was happening. So it was around me and a big part of the culture and the school that I went to. So I find that I was really attracted to like the humor and a lot of that stuff as well, because there would be like these really like heavy, good, like, you know, pounding beats that just like, you know, it's not like metal heavy, but it's like, you know, fucking 
it still gets your head bobbing in the same way. And then you have somebody just kind of being silly on top of it. And I feel like I can kind of relate to it. I can't relate to like yeah, right? serious rap, but it's funny yeah. because on the flip, I have a hard time relating to goofy metal. Like yeah. I like well, serious I- metal, but I don't like goofy metal, but I always have a hard time <laughs> connecting with serious rap, but I like goofy rap. Like that's a strange juxtaposition. Well, I think it's a little bit like the, the, the kind of the, the silliness you're getting from metal is from a lot of like the, the, the pageantry, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to, to, I think it's kind of the best term for it. So you're already getting like, there's already a silliness quotient that's satisfying you. So when you put that with the metal is also intentionally silly, you're just getting, it's like a sugar overload. You know what I mean? You're, you're drinking Jolt Cola there and you're feeling nauseous. Whereas with rap, it's, you know, the, 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 the silliness is coming from the, the the lyrics but then the the beat is just like oh cool nice beat cool sample you know they found some weird jazz and they oh, old jazz song and they sped it up <laughs> sick so you know being from toronto what are your thoughts on drake that's a uh, so a hot, a hot button topic just to really to really sound canadian uh uh drake's a weird one for me because we didn't know each other but we did go to high school together okay. um, <laughs> because of course you know you gotta it's it, hey do you know so-and-so from canada you know sometimes you're like fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> um that's that's kind of been like it's the uh, I wish I was excited about Drake because it's always cool to have like a hometown hero. But the thing that I most like about rap, the things that I most like about rap, he doesn't really have, which is he's not particularly funny. Uh, and he's like he's kind of ushered in that area uh, era of like he's he didn't pioneer it or anything, but the like Fruity Loops 808 drums and that's your beat is like rough (laughs) if if one of your favorite things about hip-hop was sampling it's like yeah okay cool (laughs) nice yeah there was a really interesting thing that happened in hip-hop like in that era where you're talking about where like the music of it really got stripped back and it became kind of amateur which is fine but like somehow the amateur sound became very popular and it became what everybody was trying to do and like it became just so much about the personality on top of this very simple beat and it's like okay like anybody that can dress well and look good and sound cool for two and a half minutes can be a you know can has a chance of being a a good rapper right now yeah i mean especially with auto-tune where it's like i don't i don't hate auto-tune in the way a lot of people do i think sometimes auto-tune's like really funny and can and i mean hey that share song do you believe in love after love (laughs) hey that song's pretty sick yeah (laughs) um but yeah i mean you combine that and i mean there has been there's always that like there's it's bad and then there's a good silver lining and that silver lining has a bad aspect where um there's a uh uh there's certainly it's kind of it's kind of like made it's like got a little bit of a punk element to it where there have been some people that like have been able to like kind of communicate things in an interesting way because it's so accessible now where you can just you can literally just be like all right well i fill around with that 808 drum sound for like a day and you can probably mash out a a, a respectable beat now and then if you have an idea you can put it over top and then maybe you know i don't particularly enjoy the way the music sounds but there's that guy juice world who died yeah uh of a drug over uh, like drug complications like took off alive and landed dead 
Uh, and he has a song where it's basically, I mean, it basically is like, it's like almost Amy Winehouse, like forecasting his death. And you're like, have you ever struggled with addiction and depression and stuff? You can re- really relate to what he's saying. And you're like, oh, it's cool. That, that guy was able to just put that out there. I don't particularly like it, but I can see at least some value in that one. Whereas like then another one, you're like, okay, well, this just fucking sucks. <laughs> sure. You know, speaking about the, you know, uh, introduction of technology into music this is something that uh you know the heavy metal world has certainly <laughs> not been uh you know free of by any means yeah. uh you know I, I i keep you know joking around like with all, like a lot of my friends that are into like tech death and stuff i'm like this is electronic music like, yeah they, like, it's like they're playing guitars into computers everything's getting fixed yeah. everything's resampled and that's fine like it sounds fun like this is really yeah. cool but you're just listening to really aggressive electronic music yeah like, what are your you- thoughts on like you know modern metal production like very <laughs> modern modern metal production yeah i tend to i i tend to hate it yeah definitely. <laughs> there's i mean the the i would say the the the, the unique corner of metal that really turned me from like a metal fan into like a metal head you know like dedicated life to from more than just enjoying the music was like shitty uh like depressive black metal just like (laughs) one guy sometimes a drum machine because he doesn't know any fucking drummers Mm because he doesn't have any friends and he lives in like bavaria in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and he just is cranking out this stuff that he recorded at home on a four track he found at the side of the road like that was all that that always had such a has such a like a uh uh just again that punk kind of just like i just want to get this out there any way i can and yeah when you get that kind of all the computers involved and everything's uh it's you know i like seeing shows live that's always been what's connected me to music so i hate i hate live albums but i like an album with a live sound to it sure i know what you mean it's so weird now because, you know, I don't do album reviews really by any stretch of the imagination like you do, but I still, I record a lot of music and I listen to a lot of music. So my brain is definitely kind of broken. I don't listen to music the yeah. same way that I did when I was 14. I kind of miss it because there's a lot of stuff that I have a hard time going back and listening to because I'm like, you know, yeah. this sounds like shit or just whatever, you know, nerdy fucking reason I have. And, you know, with all of the technology stuff, it's like, it's so strange to me, you know, I think like, what was like, maybe like, who was like Rings of Saturn? Was that like one of those bands that, uh, you know, started doing all that crazy stuff? Or even like before that, remember like Psyopus? Like, these were, like <laughs> bands that like, you know, like the stuff's cool, but like people yeah. are, like, you got to check this out. It's fucking crazy. And then like, yeah. you know, being from like a, you know, a recording background, and knowing how things are done and like even like i've even you know i've I've had talks with uh somebody that recorded rings of saturn actually and talked a bit about their you know their production process and i was like oh i totally get it it's hard for me to appreciate this the way that i feel a lot of people appreciate it now like knowing the techniques that go into it it's still interesting you know it's like it would be like really hypocritical of me to be like you know this isn't music, but say like, oh, sampling's dope in a weird way. Yeah, like they're kind of right? like sampling small guitar loops and then like <laughs> speeding them up and like you know doing. It's like it is sampling, so it's yeah. it's weird how all of that stuff like really comes together. 
Yeah, I, I I mean, there's just a quick aside. There's I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's there's this guy, I guess. I don't know. He maybe he has a website or something, um, but I don't know if you've seen it. There's a Facebook group dedicated to people posting message messages and bands responses to him where he just messages. Hi. Uh, so oh, blank yeah. insert band name. Like, did did you record your album yeah. using a uh, 100% natural drums? No triggers or samples? people just being like, eat a dick. <laughs> Dude, you know what's funny? We've actually gotten messages like that. Us. They're like, we're not anybody, you know, we're just a, a little band here, you know, doing our thing. But we've definitely got those messages from people. And I'm just like, yes, the album doesn't sound that good. It was obviously recorded live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what's really funny? On the flip of that, we've actually had, you know, going back to that, you know, the negative comments that always stick out. Yeah plenty of nice comments people being like hey you know sounds good like the songs blah 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 cool thank you but there's you know we've gotten comments that have been like hey like this sounds cheap because the drums aren't triggered yeah and like how the modern metal listener their ears have become adjusted to something that's not real it's like the equivalent of like guys drooling over you know girls that have face tuned their fucking face (laughs) this isn't real you know like what you're hearing isn't real what you're seeing isn't real but like that's what they want and it's so difficult to be in that position where you know we are you know we like modern metal but we all have that punk background and like we also come from that like you know all the albums that we love are from like the late nineties, early two thousands. And like that sound like wasn't a thing then, you know, like even like stuff that sounded highly digital, like fear factory back then, fear factory (laughs) now, like, like, you know, I listened to that recently obsolete and like that album, you know, it holds up, but it's like, it doesn't sound anywhere near as like, technical digital is like like the yeah. most like modern production does now and at the time that was like crazy but now it just sounds like everything everything sounds like that now it's so yeah. weird and you know our background just coming from that place of wanting to be a band that's like oh we want to record everything live because we can record it live and it's easier to record it live honestly but you know we also want people to like it so how do but also <laughs> yeah, it's like the... most people do like it like why are we yeah. going out of our way to help or you know pacify that one negative person that even if it sounded good they're probably going to find something else they don't fucking like about it because people were just grumpy yeah one of the coolest things that, that, that I kind of got to see you know the into the kitchen uh when you when you when you start doing comedy um is when when people start recording albums uh you you got you know your friends recording an album and the way comedy albums are recorded is like you'll do you know, if you're if you're like a more amateur comedian, you'll do two shows. But there are guys that do like five show weekends and they record every show and then they'll hear how each bit landed with each audience and go, OK, I'll take this bit from Friday's show, this bit from the Saturday late show, oh, yeah. this bit from the Sunday early show, because you have to record comedy live and recording recording one show is your your it you're you're being very brave sure. <laughs> because i mean all it takes is one drunk audience member or i mean the, the one of my favorite things about comedy is that uh the like the best comedians whoever you think is the funniest comedian in the world still probably bombs like maybe like 
once once every couple months. They still go out and like die, like die a brutal death. <laughs> yeah, I feel you know. Again, I do not do stand up comedy, but just as yeah. a performer, I imagine you know there's so many variables that you can't control and like things that yeah. you don't really expect. Like I, I if I'm in a room and if like the sound is off like if it's like this weird yeah. venue that makes us have like low stage volume because they're miking everything but the monitors sound like dog shit so it just the, yeah. i just if i can hear myself screaming too loud i'm like what the fuck it throws everything off and like yeah. it just fucks shit up and i'm sure the same thing can happen with you if there's like a weird light that can't be moved or yeah. you know that one person in the audience is just hella distracting or like I imagine like just the science of how a room is set up really helps yeah. with comedy. A hundred percent. Yeah. There is a lot of like, it's there's, there's this weird thing where, uh, uh, the best comedy room is kind of the opposite of like the best, like j venues tend to be really great if they're like narrow and long. Right. Sure. <laughs> Whereas comedy, you basically want to perform for like a flat line. Yeah. You want that. You want that to be as wide as possible and as like shallow as possible with getting as many people in there. It's 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 really weird the difference. But the thing again, it's sometimes there's a re you can pinpoint a reason. Sometimes you go out and it's in your favorite venue and you see some people in the crowd that look like oh man that guy's got a band shirt on sick. You go out there and it just it just doesn't work and you're performing your ass off and it's just not landing and the first time it happens to you it is like it's like it ruins your month like you can't forget about it and then eventually like for me it's now like one of my most favorite times on stage will be those times because you can instantly be like all right, well, this show is... Uh, I've tried to save it. I've spent 10 minutes trying to wrestle this out of the toilet. It's in there. I'm just going to do everything I want to do on stage personally. I don't give a fuck how they feel about it. I'm going to try all kinds of shit. I'm going to goof around. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then those are the times where I, you know, you just get to have the most fun and you get to learn the most. And there was a show I was on where I went on and I was just bombing. And I, it was in my favorite club, Comedy Bar in Toronto, comedy bar has like the my crowd the show was going well it wasn't like a lame crowd or anything and i was just bombing and i went am i your least favorite comic you've seen tonight and everybody went yes and i went okay well uh you trust me and now that i know that by the end of my set i am going to be the second worst comic you saw tonight and I just fucked around and had a blast. And then I was like, was I the second worst comic you saw tonight? And everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was, it was, you know, one of my favorite memories is, is a show that went uh, the second worst of eight people. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, you know, it's my understanding that the world of stand up can be like pretty cutthroat because of just how many people were trying to do it and like fight for time and things like that. Yeah. But I think that maybe that's also more of a product of a bigger city, like a, a New York or an LA or things like that. Have you spent any time in either of the cities trying to do comedy? And what was it like? Uh, I've done comedy a lot in Toronto and Canada. And then I've, I've toured a bit of the East coast and I've done Europe and a little bit. And, uh, the Toronto, the weird thing that people don't remember about Toronto a lot of times is it's now bigger than Chicago. It's the third largest city in uh, in North America. So 
the New York's is in, is obviously insane. Like it's like you have to the, bottom rung. You have to pay for stage time. You, 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 it's called pay to play shows. You'll give them five bucks for a spot <laughs> in, New York? in most cities. Like yeah. if you try and start a show like that, you're a fucking criminal. Get the hell out of here. We hate you. You're run out of the comedy scene with pitchforks in New York. It's just like, there's so many crazy people that that's how you need a filtering mechanism. Yeah. Because yeah, the problem is that for a band, you at least need to be able to fumble together a couple of chords to be able to get on stage. You need to be able to, you know, like that, you need to at least be able to do that. With comedy, you can literally walk in off the street after getting a piece of your brain removed. And at an open mic, you get five minutes. <laughs> so the there's definitely like a it, getting noticed at first takes like a lot of work because A, you suck. Uh, B, people don't know if you're ever going to be good. So they don't know if they want to invest any time in you. And B or C, um, people quit like crazy because it is like a really thankless thing, right? And it really sucks. It happens to you a couple times and you get really jaded where you like meet someone and you're like, damn, I love this guy. Damn, this chick's wicked. Let's be best friends. And you're hanging out every day because you're going out and grinding shows. And then they're like, mm, I got a job at an advertising firm. It pays $80,000 a year. I'm never doing stand up again. You're like, <laughs> All right, well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Yeah. One of the hardest things, just even as a musician, I've dealt with it because there are people that just grow out of it. And like, yeah. I mean, I already said, you know, I'm not getting any fucking younger. And the the interesting thing, the other thing that I have to reckon with whenever shows come back is, you know, we are constantly in rooms with people between like, you know, 18 and 25 yeah <laughs> and like over time it starts to feel weirder and weirder the fir yeah. it first happened a couple years ago i was uh playing a house show and house shows used to be the jam like i, I still love the concept of a house show but yeah. you know like okay i am 32 years old i'm in a basement with a bunch of underage kids drinking why am i here like yeah. i'm happy that this exists i came out of this but maybe it's not it's my time to move on and you know pass the torch down to the younger bands and let them do the basement shit it's so like heartbreaking but also it's like oh i know it's time for me to move on and then yeah, it makes it yeah. hard for me to like you know i've definitely been bummed out by like bands that i'm friends with that were fucking awesome band i would love like you know them coming out to like playing shows with them hanging out with them at shows and you know all these motherfuckers, once they stop playing in bands, they stop coming to the show. So it's just yeah. like, you don't fucking see these people anymore, you know, unless, you know, fucking, uh, you know, Meshuggah's in town or some shit. And you see everybody yeah, yeah. in the parking lot for like an hour. But uh, it's so weird just how like people move on. But you can't blame them because like, uh, you know, none of us are really getting rich. <laughs> Yeah. Why well, you don't want to make twenty five thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life? Come on, yeah, poser. And, yeah, and like also too, I think it's just a matter of like you can't expect everybody to be as passionate about this as yeah. you know you are, and yeah, it's it, it's just that is how it is. So it's like as long as you're happy, you know, if yeah. people are like you know moving on, getting that good job, and they're happy about it, buying their house with the family and the dog, and they're stoked. Cool, I'm stoked for you. But, you know, there's definitely been people that I've met that have been like just kind of like real bummed out. And like you, they're always talking about, you know, like, oh, I wish I was still doing that. How's it going, man? Like whenever you see them, like, 
It's like, yeah. fuck, man, this is like heartbreaking. It's like, you're like <laughs> right. one of the best drummers I've ever known in my life. And now you're just like, not. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. You're, it, it's weird because it's like, it, when it's, 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 it's normal for people to change careers, but it's weird when your career is also like a, 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 a hobby. Cause then it's yeah. like, you're like, well, what do you do now? <laughs> what do you do with your time? It's so weird when someone stops doing stand up because generally the reason they stop doing stand up is they can't go out six nights a week to, to, to perform for half the time for like 20 bucks, zero bucks, you know, a couple of drink tickets. Um, and that's the, the crazy thing about comedy is like, the, there's no point where you can really stop doing that. Like you'll hear, you'll hear Chris Rock be like, Oh yeah, don't come and see me. If you hear that I'm randomly doing a spot at the comedy cellar because I'm doing new material and it bombs. <laughs> like sure. I'm figuring this shit out. Still people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, cause they're like expecting him to go out there and be this fucking phenom they've seen their whole life. And then he's like, ah, fumbling through something that he's kind of thinking about that maybe doesn't like fully line up. <laughs> yeah. That's like what <laughs> the interesting position for uh stand-up comedians i imagine is it's like you can't practice stand-up on your own so At it's like basically chris rock is inviting everyone to a band practice yeah 100 <laughs> percent. you like, get you 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 start to you start to figure you start to like get a sense that when you're you because you write alone right you write your jokes mm-hmm. and you get a sense sometimes you write when you when you get better at comedy you start to figure out how to construct a joke and then you write something and you'll get like a hunch you'll be like this i think is good and you'll go out and sometimes it's good from the first time you tell it but then sometimes you're like i this is genius this is so funny i love this and then you go out and people are like, that's not funny. And you're like, no, it is. I know it's funny. And they're like, it's not <laughs> yeah. and you're like, what the fuck? Uh, I had a, I, 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 there's, I, I tried to do it for a while. It never worked. Just a joke about how like female magicians don't exist and how <laughs> women do not seem to have any interest in, in equalizing most, most careers you want equal representation. There's, there, you know, stand up. There's uh, a million great uh, female standups in Canada that are just, you know, always, always fighting for their place. Uh, magicians, it's a bunch of weird guys. I, never <laughs> so I, I, I wrote this joke and I was so excited about it. I was like, that's sick. I've n- never heard anyone say that. That's fucking, uh, d- yeah, it's going to go viral. <laughs> Get on stage. People are like, what are you talking about magicians for? <laughs> I have never Shit. seen a female magician. You've never seen a female magician. What the yeah. fuck? The only laugh I got out of that joke was one time a guy was like, I know several female magicians and no joke. He had a dead eye, like just an eye that was completely white. And I just went, of course you do, man. You got a fucking dead eye. And that got a laugh. But then nothing else. <laughs> the joke did. I was like, all right, well, unless Weird. I can drag that guy with me to every show, I think I, uh, I think I got to put this one to bed. Weird. So weird. So you mentioned drink tickets, getting drink tickets <laughs> yeah. in Toronto. So, yes. I haven't been to Toronto in maybe like four or five years. And we met uh, at Brutal Beer Fest here in Pittsburgh yeah. a few years ago. Now, when I was in Toronto, craft beer seemed to just not exist outside of like a couple tiny breweries. Has that changed much in the past few years? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I Banger is literally in the same building as a craft brewery nice nice <laughs> that we did a beer with a little while like a couple awesome. of years ago yeah no it's it's really uh uh 
it's really exploded. We had a couple, and then the problem was we were having for a little while, whereas like we get like a craft brewery, and then the craft brewery would be popular, and then it would be by by like Molson, and then suddenly it like wasn't a craft brewery anymore. Like Mill Street for a while was like this nice little local brewery that was producing really good beer. Cool. And then yeah, they got bought by Molson. It was like, well, I guess that's just a giant yeah. beer factory now. Uh, but yeah, we've got a million little pop-ups. There's there's like storefront breweries where it's like, you know, it's it's like a you go in and there's a little like little place you can get a couple of eats, you can get you can drink and then you just see like yeah, there's there's a giant silver vat behind where the people are serving you mm-hmm. food from and you're like, "Oh, I guess we're in a brewery. <laughs> this is the size of my apartment. How are you doing this?" Yeah, it it's pretty wild how it's blown up even here in the past few years. I mean, there's probably you know two dozen breweries within 15 minutes of my house right now yeah. it is e- exhausting but yeah i can't remember <laughs> the name of the place there was there was two places that we went to that i thought were decent when i was in toronto i don't remember one of them was like on a rooftop somewhere uh and the other one was by a record store Duh. <laughs> uh, Alley Cat it's Records. Like a- yeah, the other there was one by a vinyl store that was a pretty decent vinyl store, and then the other one was on a rooftop. But again, this was like four or five years ago, and yeah, I don't remember I the names of them. Be. Yeah, we've got we've got some Toronto's got some cool big. Ones. So yeah, the 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 issue. I mean, the issue we've always had is that Toronto is kind of similar to New York in that it like space is really premium, like small, like you don't get a lot of space for the lot of money you have to put in. So things like breweries can be a little harder where it's like, you know, you need ideally to run a proper brewery, you need like a slightly warehoused sizey space, which yeah. doesn't super exist in any sort of place that people are really hanging out a lot. Sure, sure. <laughs> like we, you know, we have a, bre- a big brewery in the building. Henderson's is in the, is in the building that our office is in, but we're beside a chocolate factory. Like we're in a, we're in a industrial part of the city. So they're able to do that. Cause there's a fucking chocolate factory. beside it. <laughs> There's it's Nestle, like the Nestle factory is beside it. So there's this massive chocolate factory. So it's just this waft competing smells at work of beer and uh, chocolate. You know? <laughs> Do you eat a lot of chocolate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely like you're, you're, you're curious. You're like the air smelling like chocolate. Would that be gross or would that be nice? It's very nice. It really I, makes you want chocolate. Yeah. I imagine <laughs> it wouldn't be too dissimilar from being next to like a coffee roastery. You know, there's the same sort of notes in the air. Now, as we are rounding the corner here, I'm going to let you go in a minute. I do appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Hey, happy we finally got to to link up, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is pretty pretty gosh darn cool. Uh, Speaking of things that are in Canada and food, I want to ask you about poutine. Do you still give a shit about poutine? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm vegan, so it's a little Ah. trickier for me. Um, but yeah, man, poutine, like you get, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really hard to not like understand people's infatuation because it's like, it's basically the three best things (laughs) like from, like from like a really basic level in you too. It's not some like high fancy dot. It's like uh, French fries. So just a lot of carbs, uh, uh, meat juice, 
and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's the three things that like people are like, don't eat that. And you're like, I can't not eat it because it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's like the three things that are killing you, but you continue <laughs> to eat because you don't care that it's killing you. So when you combine those together in a thing, it's really weird that it is even like a Canadian food and you're not like, why isn't this just everywhere that has those three items? Why yeah. would those three items not just immediately be put together? Yeah, you know, it's pretty interesting is that like poutine's actually really easy to find here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. We have it everywhere and it's always been around, but we're only like five and a half yeah, hours right. apart. It's not that, that separated. Yeah, I've always said like the, you know, I, I, I find a lot of commonalities between growing up in Toronto and, and, and the state of Pennsylvania because we are both like functionally conceptually you go to the tent we're both east coast places that aren't on the east coast <laughs> that aren't technically touching an ocean sure. you know what i mean like where where it there's this the, the feeling of going to like you know philadelphia new york uh toronto is like all the cities have a similar feel you know there's differences there's uniquenesses certainly but really like the type of people you meet the everyone's attitude everyone's behavior it, it really blends together a lot and uh yeah, so the like transport of, you know, poutine down is like the transport of like Rochester's commercials to my house, like growing up with Salino and Barnes commercials, despite the fact that I, I don't even live in a, I don't live in the same country. I can't hire you guys as lawyers. Yeah. Being a, a vegan in Toronto, is that pretty easy? I know that I remember seeing online recently you were doing like the the vegan lasagna yeah. And I wasn't yeah. sure if like you were vegan or not. Me and my girlfriend are both vegetarian. So I eat a ton of vegan food and we have like a ton of great vegan restaurants in Pittsburgh too. So it's really easy to be vegetarian or vegan here, but there's plenty of places that I've been on the road where it's like, fuck, I am fucked. What's yeah. it like in Toronto? Toronto is like, it's so, yeah, it's so easy. Like literally my wife uh, owns a vegan restaurant. Oh, nice. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a shitload of them. Uh, they're really everywhere is kind of, uh, adopted that especially when you're in a big like once you're once you're in the in the millions mark of your city population i feel like you're like well we just most businesses are like well we have to accommodate these people we don't we don't like them but uh they keep showing up so, <laughs> so throw some grilled veggies on a baguette and shut them the fuck up. uh-huh so but no we we have a lot of really great 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 vegan food here the the last question i'm gonna leave you on and I'm curious, what do you think this mysterious connection between heavy metal and veganism or vegetarianism is? Because on the surface, one may not expect it. One may expect that <laughs> yeah. we're all eating, you know, fucking goats and virgins 24-7. But we're all, you know, very conscious about the environment and the world around yes. us. What do you think that connection is? I think a lot of it is that, I mean, especially for like the age range that we're in, like the we grew up listening to some metal, but there was a lot of punk in there too. You you can't tell me that you're in like your mid thirties and I have only listened to metal my whole life. I never liked any of that punk stuff. You know, there was, there's, was, we, we kind of really grew up in like the second golden age of punk music where it was like all these great bands making all these great records. And so many of them were so like aggressively left wing. I mean, I come from Canada, uh, you know, propaganda is the, the pride uh, of the Canadian punk scene. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you fucking put out a propaganda record and you feel bad when you're eating a sandwich, you know? <laughs> so I think a lot of it is just like growing up, you know, there, there isn't really that the, the punk and metal divide is like, 
stupid and fake for a lot of, you know, uh, uh, it's a lot of the same music. There's a lot of crossover. And I think a lot of us just grew up listening to punk rock. And there really is a value at 16 of just like really bluntly cramming some messaging into people. Oh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's happening a little bit in the opposite direction these days. Um, but we had a really great wave of like all the bands that were even, you know, even the ones on MTV were like, be a better person. <laughs> sure. Sure. I, I remember being like 12 years old and having a copy of earth crisis breed the killers and they have their whole diatribe on the inside about the, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? But it was like, it really like opened my eyes. And then like, you know, listening to like, like strife and all this like straight edge shit where like the straight edge thing didn't really stick with me but yeah. it kept me out of trouble through high school like you know yeah, i didn't man, really I start drinking like- until i was in my 20s because of like i was like oh this isn't a good idea and i'm like listening to these bands and i have these values in me and like you know i grew out of it but still it helped me like i don't yeah i don't look down on any of that shit yeah, I mean, I like I dabbled with like, again, not officially, but I definitely that's so there was periods in time where I was listening to more straight edge music. So it was like affecting my consumption as a teen. And as an adult, I have drug problems. But all I can imagine <laughs> is that if I didn't have that as a teen, I would have I would have fucked everything up. Sure. I've got drug problems, but I can still own a house. You know what I mean? So there are <laughs> there are. <sighs> You know, it's more budgeting that's the problem than <laughs> than being like, oh, no, I'm going to lose everything. It's like, well, no, I just I can't. Sp- you know, I just the, car insurance. I can't spend any more money on drugs. this month. <laughs> you know, I'm always like talking about it's interesting. You bring up, oh, like when we were kids, we all listened to this music. We all did this and that. But, you know, as we get older, some people start taking things a little bit too seriously or some people go yeah. off the deep end with the silliness and the drugs or whatever. And I'm always like thinking about like, you know, when I'm at a show with people and there's like these weird clicks of different, you know, oh, those are the the serious metal kids and those are the goofy ones or whatever. I'm like, if this was high school, we would all be sitting at the same lunch table together. We would all be homies. So I don't know like what changed and why we still can't just get along and like help make the scene bigger and better by just being friendly with each other. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the thing where it's like, we all also complain that like, Oh, there's not enough money in music. And it's like, well, stop scaring off people that want to spend money. You know, <laughs> I remember, you know, hell's headbangers is like a label that puts out a lot of great shit. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool label. Certainly. Um, but they, there was like, someone sent me a clip where they had mentioned banger. This was years ago. They had mentioned banger on the podcast and they're like, they were talking about how they don't understand how like, it's so hard to get money into metal. And then, you know, people will do like nice production stuff like banger has all this nice production, but then they interview Rob Zombie and it's like, what the fuck, man? Why aren't you interviewed? And it's like, yeah, that's cause to get that nice production shit, you need some money and you got to interview fucking Rob Zombie sometimes, man. And then also like, if you're again, if you're like 32, you probably Rob Zombie is a big reason you listen to metal. So fucking let us use Rob Zombie to then yeah. be like, okay, Gaul's also right. here fucking uh, yeah. drinking wine and saying Satan. Like that's like, in the same yeah. documentary. Like, dude, do you not see that that helps have those two God, sides? Dude, like, you, motherfucker you give me the option of talking to rob zombie or your grumpy ass i'm picking rob <laughs> yeah, zombie know, right <laughs> God damn it dude who the fuck do you think you are yeah yeah i mean you know it's, it's just weird it's like you gotta again you can't be too serious you can't be too too extreme too i i don't i don't like listening to i don't like listening to anything that like 
I would have to go to an arena to see. Like, I don't, I, I don't particularly care that much about Slayer. Like, the, you know, like Sodom is like the biggest a band will get that I'm like super into because it's like it doesn't feel like it's mine once it's that big. It's like, you know, every fucking love Slayer, man. You know, the, the you know, the fucking person uh, that I just ran into on the street that looks totally normal probably knows a bunch of Slayer lyrics. Like it doesn't, it doesn't grab me as much, but then you get like, you know, a band like hooded menace where it's like, I feel like this is mine and I love this. And that's what I love about metal. But I'm at the same time, I'm not like, you're a fucking idiot for liking the music you do. You like fucking, Oh, you like this big band. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. And it's like, take it down, bro. Yeah. Take it down. Just talk to them nicely, put on a record, and maybe you can help Hooded Menace make $28 tomorrow. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Blaine, thank you for taking the time to chat. It was real cool. I hope you, uh, I wish you the best of luck in your Zoom poker later. I hope, <laughs> thank I hope, you. I hope thank you make you. lots of money for more drugs and keeping the house <laughs> over your head <laughs> <laughs> or whatever wow. you got to do. I really appreciate that. I'm glad, it, like I said, you know, it took a little while, but you know, I'm glad we were we were able to finally do this. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. I Hell yeah, time. dude! I appreciate it. Well, take care of yourself up there in Canada, and maybe one day I'll see you in the real world. Who knows? I hope to do that. Who knows? I hope everything is okay with your state. <laughs> mm, yeah, things are a little wild right now. I hope I hope no one sets your state on fire because there's a lot of people <laughs> on every side mm-hmm. that are maybe going to set your state on yeah, fire. Yeah, so we're in the middle I of hope- yeah, for for anyone watching this in the future, it is uh, November fifth, so we are right yeah. in the middle of all of the. <laughs> you the are people are stuff. counting right now. That's crazy. There's people counting right now. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Eh, well, we'll see what happens. We'll but yeah, happens. yeah, definitely. For some reason, it's all fallen on all our shoulders. I don't yep. know. Anyways. Oh, I just, it's funny, this whole conversation, I just saw the Descendants tattoo. Yeah. I just caught, I just yeah. caught Milo yeah, there. Yeah, so. he's there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I have the same, the same silly Epitaph Records background, too. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. fuck, you know what I mean? I was like, you know, 10 when Smash came out, and I had a skateboard, so fuck. <laughs> exactly. Recipe right? for that's success. The, man, that's the other thing, skateboarding, yeah. right? We were like, Tony Hawk pro skater came out and you're like well i can't not skateboard exactly and then if i'm skateboarding i can't not listen to punk music exactly exactly well before we go down another rabbit hole of skateboarding yeah. maybe yeah. we'll do that next time but next time. until then take care of yourself dude it was good seeing you and peace out man see you later dude adios my friend 